Hi, I'm Dave Ferguson, pastor of the Collegedale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. Well, people often ask me, ask me what they should call me. And so Pastor Melody is okay, Pastor Wallace, or just plain Melody is okay. I'm not really into titles. Um, but a friend of mine posted this on Facebook. Maybe some of you have seen it too. My name is and my name is not. So I thought I'd tell you what my name is and what it's not. My name is Melody with a D-Y on the end. My name is not Melanie, though I will answer to that occasionally. My name is not Mel, and I don't answer to that one. Um, some people, because my name is musical, have actually called me Harmony. And occasionally I will answer to that one if I realize you really are talking to me. And then somebody came up with the name Dee Dee for me because they figured that would help them to remember that my name was Melody instead of Melanie. Um, I don't very often answer to that one either because it just doesn't connect in my brain. But if you called me that, I would try. And you can come up with other names for me and see if I answer them too. I don't know. Well, today, I wonder, as we're talking about names, do any of you recognize this name, Joseph McEldery? Can you raise your hand if you recognize that name? Okay, I don't see anybody that does. How about a face? Does anybody recognize that face? Nobody raising their hands. Back in 2009, he stepped out on a stage, introduced himself, sang a wonderful song, and then waited for the judge's decision. How about this name? Willie Jones. Anybody? Raise your hand if you recognize Willie Jones. No? Okay, how about a face? This, um, he looks like that 1990 sitcom. You recognize him? Okay. Um, just that fresh Bel Air look, that Prince of Bel Air show. Um, he went 14 hours with his family to audition on Got Talent. And what did he want? What Joseph wanted. They wanted to win. They wanted to be recognized for their accomplishments. The judges were astounded because Willie started singing a country song, not what they expected at all. And both Willie and Joseph got what they needed, the four yeses to continue on to the next round of the program. This might be a name that some of you are a little bit more familiar with, Darcy Lynn. How many know Darcy Lynn? Yeah, I thought so. More people are familiar with that. And if you're not familiar with Darcy, you're probably familiar with Petunia, who helped her win not just the four yeses, but the wonderful golden buzzer that was so unexpected for her. But I think all of this represents something for us. I think it represents something that each of us have. It's a deep, deep longing. Do you remember when you were in school, or some of you still are in school, and they were picking teams? Did you ever have that fear that you weren't going to be picked, or that you would be the one that would be picked last? Or did you just always know that you were going to be the one that was picked first? 
Both of them can create different emotions in us depending on how we react to being picked. How about if you are applying to sing at Merge like my granddaughter did her freshman year of college here and did not get chosen? What is kind of emotions go through that when you're applying or auditioning for something and it doesn't turn out as you hoped it might turn out? Or maybe you're in a refugee camp and you're just hoping that you and your family are in the right part of the line that you get food that day. You have this deep, deep longing too. Or maybe you're the boy waiting on the library steps or you're the boy that's texted this girl that you've chosen to be the very special girl in your life and you're hoping that she has chosen you as much as you have chosen her. I could give you more illustrations and you're probably thinking of some illustrations yourself, but all of these have something in common, that you have a deep longing to be chosen. To be chosen for a variety of things. To be chosen to be survive, to be chosen for position, for belonging, to be loved. Let's see, got behind here. Or maybe you have some other ideas of things that you would like to be chosen for too. I got thinking about being chosen when I applied for the position here at this church back in January. You know, applying for positions can be a process of interviewing and it can be a long and lengthy wait sometimes and you get thinking a variety of different thoughts. And one of my thoughts was this would be a great way to have a sermon on being chosen to say goodbye to my church in Michigan, Dwajak, Michigan, if I was chosen for the position here. And so I got thinking and studying about being chosen in the Bible. And I came up with several sermon ideas. I thought you might like to see a little bit of what a pastor goes through when they're making a sermon. So some of these sermons' idea was chosen to be part of God's family, chosen for positions and what it would be like in those positions after they had them. Chose, they were not chosen and why they were not chosen. Um, why did God choose the foolish and the weak instead of the wise and the strong, as he says in 1 Corinthians? Um, why some people are chosen to be captives and other people are not chosen for that? Do, did Christ give up the desire to be chosen? And lastly, do we as Christians have a responsibility to make sure that everybody knows that they are chosen for God, that they are chosen by God to be loved by God, do we have a responsibility of Christians to help make that happen for people? So you can see I had lots of sermon ideas rolling around in my head, and I didn't get to preach it at Dwajak because the decision had not been made. But since the decision has now been made, I thought I'd share with you some of my thoughts about being chosen at this time. 
And I have two main concepts that I would like you to take away with you today. The first concept is the Bible teaches that those that are chosen will have difficulty in their lives. The second concept is the Bible teaches that those who are not chosen will have difficulty in their lives. Think we can remember those two concepts when you walk away from here? Whether you're chosen or whether you're not chosen, you might have difficulties in your life. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today and to speak about being chosen and not chosen. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will come and strengthen us and comfort us and give us whatever we need today to know that you love us regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many people in the Bible were chosen? You can probably think of multiple people that were chosen in the Bible. I've just chosen three to talk about today. The first one is Abraham. Abraham was called to leave his home and to become a pilgrim in the land, going from place to place. I want to tell you that moving is difficult. How many of you have moved? How many of you have found it difficult? Yes. <laughs> I had to downsize, which was probably a good thing for me to do anyways. For at least a month, my garbage can was full every week to overflowing at the roadside. And the last week, I went to four different friends with multiple bags of trash for them to put in their hoppers for me. I also made eight trips to the rummage sale. I had no idea I had so much stuff that I hadn't used was not making me happy. It was just as well to have it go someplace else. But moving and those decisions around moving, around downsizing, are difficult, and then the move itself, transitioning, can be difficult. I feel like I've had it relatively easy compared to people, other people that may have um, moved with larger family or various situations. But moving in general was difficult for me, and it was probably most likely difficult for Abraham also. Abraham also had marital problems. He had children problems. He had trust issues with his relationship with God, the one who called him to move in the first place. Yes, Abraham was chosen, but Abraham's life was not without difficulty. The second person I'd like to talk about is Joseph, the boy who knew that he was chosen by his father because his father had given him a very, very special coat. Then he also knew that God was calling him to something special because of the dreams that he had. But was Joseph's life easy? He was rejected by his brothers, sold into slavery, unjustly put into prison, and given a foreign name and a foreign wife. Yes, Joseph was chosen, but his life was not without difficulty. And the last person I'd like to just summarize is Mary. She was chosen to be the mother of the Messiah, 
And yet, was her life easy? She was pregnant, out of wedlock. Her betrothed fiancé wanted to put her away quietly, and she had the stigma throughout her life of knowing that she was, had an on, she had a baby out of wedlock and was raising the Messiah. She was chosen, but had a difficult life. So what is the lesson for us? I have been chosen to be the associate pastor of member care. That doesn't mean that life is going to be easy for me. There will probably be some difficulties in my life. But it also doesn't mean that it's going to be easy for you, because as we interact, you might have some difficulty with me. And I might have some difficulty with you. I'm sure that won't happen, but, you know, let's be reality. First thing that might happen is I might forget your names. And worse yet, I might mispronounce your names. At times, I might be disagreeable, stubborn, or even feisty. All three of those sound like negative words, but they can all be turned around into a positive word. So like for disagreeable, is it okay to be disagreeable if somebody is believing a lie about God? My deceased husband and I were standing at a kitchen counter with my daughter. She was telling us about a situation that she had in her home life, and she said, my son will never amount to anything good because of these situations we're living through at home. And I said, that is a lie. My God says that he can change circumstances and make things come out right. And I believe that God can change your son into the positive young Christian man that you want him to be. It's okay to be disagreeable when someone is saying a lie about God. The second word I used for myself was stubborn, and I do have a stubborn streak. You might need to know that ahead of time. But stubbornness can be turned into tenacity when it involves matters of faith and principle. And lastly, the word feisty can be turned into passion. Passion for God's love. Passion for helping other people know that we have a God that loves them and wants to be with them regardless of the circumstances that they find themselves in. Now at times, you might be all of those things to me also. And we're going to have to work together to figure it out. Is this coming from a negative perspective? Or is this coming from a positive perspective? We're going to have to talk together. We're going to have to work together so that we can fulfill John 17's prayer that Jesus prayed that we could be in unity and be one. So I expect you, when you're having a hard time figuring out where I'm coming from, I expect you to come and talk to me. But I'll give you fair warning. If I don't understand where you're coming from, 
I'm going to come and talk to you too so that we can fulfill that prayer. And I hope as I learn my role here and minister that you'll have compassion with me and that I can also have compassion with you for the situations that you find yourself going through also. So that is the positive part of being chosen, the difficulties that come with it, and how we're going to have to work together to get through the humps and the curves in the road. But I want to tell you one more story and lead into the second part of the concept that those who are not chosen have difficulties also. So you probably remember the story in John chapter 5, the man at the pool of Bethesda, he's been there for 38 years. He is a wretch of a man. He doesn't have any hope left in him as well as his physical body just being deteriorated because of the illness that he has. And Jesus is there that morning just walking among the five porches around this pool. And Jesus is seeing the humanity, the people that need to be healed, and he's having compassion on them. And in Desire of Ages, it tells us that he wanted to heal them all. So that begs the question, why did he not heal them all? And also in the same book, it says that he did not heal them because he knew the Pharisees' tradition would not allow him to heal on the Sabbath. That begs a question of us. Is there some tradition that we're holding on to that does not allow God to work in our lives or in somebody else's lives? But let's go back to the story. You can think about that question as you leave today. We don't want to hold God back in any way whatsoever. So Jesus is walking among these porches, among these sick people, and he sees this man, and he just can't stand it anymore. He has to say something to this man. He has to do something for this man. This man has been sick for just way too long. And so Jesus says to him, do you want to be made well? You think that's just a simple yes or no question, right? But the man responds and says, Sir, I have no one to help me. I've never been chosen by anyone to get into this water. I'm just desperate and I have no hope left in me. But Jesus knows his true heart and knows what's behind the words that he's saying. And Jesus says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man does. He takes his bed, he gets up, and he starts walking. And what happens next? The Pharisees come to him and said, why are you carrying your bed on Sabbath? And he said, because the man told me to. And they said, who's this man? And they said, we don't know. You know, sometimes things happen in our lives and we don't even realize that it's God working in our lives. And we, have, we can help people to realize that it is God that is leading them in ways in their lives. Anyway, the man is chosen by Jesus to be healed. He's healed. He has difficulties. 
It's a great story. It's the kind of story that all of us love. It has a positive result. But the reality is, is that there's the other part of the story. The one that we're not quite as comfortable talking about. You see, there were multiple other people there that wanted to be healed. I think they heard Jesus talking to that man. They saw this man get up. They knew who he was. They knew how long he'd been there. Why was he chosen? Why wasn't I chosen? And the reality is, is that each of us have probably gone through a time in our lives when we have not felt chosen. It causes agony. It causes losses in our lives. It may cause disappointment. For not being chosen says several things to us. And maybe you can relate to some of these. When we're not chosen, we don't think that we're good enough. We're not valued. We're not wanted. And maybe we even feel that we are not loved. When I got the initial phone call from Pastor Dave, I was one of six people that got that phone call. Through the process of that phone call for this position, it was narrowed down to four people. That means two people were not chosen. Then we had a Zoom interview with the pastoral staff here, about 13 people on that Zoom meeting, and it was narrowed from four to three people. That means there were three people that were not chosen three very qualified individuals that were not chosen. I know when Pastor Dave called me, he said something that you're still in the running, you're still in the, you know, one of the three, but you're solidly in the middle. I don't think he used the word but. I think he just said, you're solidly in the middle. And I was actually okay with that. Um, with, Solidly in the middle can sometimes be a good place to be. But the next day, Satan had a heyday with me. You see, my brother's 13 months older than me, and he was valedictorian of our high school class. My sister's younger than me, and she was valedictorian of her high school class. I was not. I'm the middle one. <laughs> Just... It's a good solid B, maybe an A minus now and then student. And Satan kept saying to me, see, you're just in the middle. You'll never be better than being in the middle. It's just the middle for you. You can't be any more than that. And I knew that had nothing to do with what Pastor Dave said. But Satan takes advantage of simple five words and tries to make you go down a hole of self-pity or anger or being critical of yourself or depression. And he tries to take you down this rabbit hole that is just worthless. And it's not where God wants us to be. 
But when we're not chosen, the reality is is Satan will use that against us to take us down those holes of negative emotions and lies. I started calling people to have them pray with me. No one was home. (laughs) So then I started praying scripture. And I didn't go too far down that rabbit hole. But as we continue on, if I had thought, if I had thought ahead of time, I would have him come up here and play a drum roll because then was that phone call that Pastor Dave called and said, hey, we want you to come down for a personal interview. Only on God's word and authority could that have happened, that I went from a middle to being asked to come down for an interview. I believe that with all my heart, that God was in that phone call. And then eventually came the call if I would accept this position, which I chose to do. That's wonderful for me. But the fact is, is that there are five other candidates that were not chosen for this position. I'm so thankful for the prayers that this congregation has given me while I've been transitioning. But I would ask that you would remember those five candidates that were not chosen in prayer because God has chosen them for a special purpose and for a special calling upon their lives. He has a place for them that he wants them to minister for. And right right now, they're probably at home waiting to see what God's next steps are for them. And they could use our prayers. I don't know their names. You don't know their names. But we can still pray for those five candidates. And I ask that you would do that. So as I get close to ending here, I'm going to share one of many biblical concepts I could share with you when you're not chosen. Or if you're going through the difficulties because you were chosen. Something that will give you hope encourage. I don't think that this concept necessarily takes away the pain or the disappointment or the anger or the negative thoughts or negative emotions that come with not being chosen, but I think God uses this concept to bring us through that as he journeys through it with us. So it comes, as Kathy said, from John 15, 16. And Jesus says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. This verse encapsulates, surrounds, encompasses all of the Old Testament and New Testament teachings about God choosing us. And we could unpack this in the verses that surround it, as Kathy mentioned, John 15, she said 9, so 9, 11 through 17, and see exactly what Jesus has chosen us for, for joy, for friendship. But I don't have time to unpack all of that right now, so I'm just going to share a few concepts that God has shared with me about being chosen and how to make it through the difficulties of chosen or not chosen from a worldly sense because we are always chosen by God and we can base our hope on the fact that we are chosen from God. 
So first of all, the Greek word here used is chosen with kindness. And it is good to know that God chooses us with kindness. And when we're going through difficulties in our lives, we need that kindness from God, but we also need kindness from one another. And so I pray that you will commit yourselves, as I'm committing myself again, to be kind to one another because it's a way of supporting and showing one another that we choose each other as fellow Christians as we minister together. So choosing each other with kindness. Next, from Isaiah 43, 4. Yes. Hold on. Um, that he says, we are precious and highly valued in his sight. I do not want any of you to leave here not knowing that you are precious to God. You are like a gem in his hand. You are like a million-dollar bill, not just like a penny. By the way, my sister's name is Penny, and I always said that we named her wrong because she's worth more than a penny. You are highly valued in God's sight. Okay. Next verse is Psalms 37:23. God orders our steps and delights in us. I'm thankful for how God has been ordering my steps, but I'm even more thankful that God delights in who he created, redeemed, and sustains me to be. And I pray that each of you know that he wants to redeem you, sustain you, and that he created you, and he is delighting in who you are today. And lastly, the verse that goes along with our love song from Zephaniah 3.17, he rejoices over us with gladness, he quiets us with his love and rejoices over us with singing. God rejoices over each one of us regardless of the circumstances we have in this world. He sings over us. So as we journey on this journey of life with its twists and turns, with the longings that we have to be chosen and the disappointments we have when we're not chosen. I've asked Michael and Denise to come and Michael to sing and Denise to play a very special song to me. It's called Ordinary People because we are each ordinary people with longings that God put there in us. And I first heard this song at my very first Adventist camp meeting and I thought, God, if I could just be an ordinary person for you, I would count that a great blessing in my life. And I believe each of you as ordinary people have longings in your heart that the song will tell you he wants to use in your life to help you be all that you can be. And so listen as Michael sings for us, Ordinary People.
He chooses people just like me and you who are willing to do as he commands. God uses people that will give him all. No matter how small your all may seem to be, because little becomes much as you place it in the Master's hand. Just ordinary people, God uses ordinary people. He chooses people just like me and you who are willing to do as he commands. God uses people that will give him all. No matter how small your all may seem to you, because little becomes much as you place it in the Master's hand. Oh, just like that little lad who gave Jesus all he had, how the multitude was fed with the fish and loaves of bread. What you have may not seem much, but when you yield it to the touch of the Master's loving hand, then you will understand how your life could never be the same. Just ordinary people, God uses ordinary people he chooses people just like me and you who are willing to do as he commands god uses people that will give him all no matter how small your all may seem to you because little becomes much as you place it in the master's hand oh your little becomes much as you place it in the Master's hand. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for choosing each of us ordinary people to love, to have joy over, to partner with, we rest in the fact that you have chosen us regardless of the circumstances and difficulties we find ourselves in. May your Holy Spirit give us kindness and joy toward one another as we fellowship together. In Jesus' name, amen.